All right, today we are on Daf Samach Aleph Ahmed Aleph, starting actually from the top. And today is the May 6th, Yud Bey's ER, 27th day of the Aymer. The Daf here in the verse for Hollywood, Shtibo Daf Yemi, the Christmas of Yitzhak Sibin, Reb Chaim Yosef, and the Shamash of Kavan Aliyah from our learning. And now that we figured out which shoes you're allowed to wear, let's figure out how you're allowed to wear them. Vayesh b'raglai says the Mar 61a on the top line. Vayesh b'raglai ma'kim not nafik b'haimin in nafik b'haimin ayu. He said that the only time a person is allowed to go out with only one on his foot is if he has an injury. We want to know uh, what what which foot does he wear? Um, which foot does he wear the sandal on? The reason Rashi on the Mishnah back on Samach Ahmed Aleph brought down from you Shalmi that the reason why you don't walk around outside with only one shoe on, I mean, I could tell you, I don't give you Shalmi to tell you why you don't walk around outside with one shoe on. It should be mentioned in a Mishnah as a prohibited practice on Shabbos. So the Yushalmi explains the Lay Lakashte the Tonle Lakhabra Tuti Kanfe Kanfe. Um that in order that uh in order that people uh shouldn't suspect you that uh you carry the other one. And Rashi gives another explanation. Um uh that people shouldn't uh People shouldn't laugh at you. One shoe and it'll look funny. You'll walk awkward. People will laugh, and you'll end up carrying the shoe itself that's on you. Either way, it seems like one shoe, unless you have an injury on a, on your foot, will lead to carrying, and therefore it became a prohibited practice. The uh, says the uh, good. So now we know that if you have a maka. You can wear one shoe. Back on Samach Aleph from Ralph 61a, top line. Which one should you wear the shoe on? So Rav Huna understood that the Mishnah was telling you that normally you would walk around barefoot. And the fact that you're uh, putting on a shoe is because you protect an injury. So we said Huna held that the purpose of the shoe of these sandals was to protect the person from pain, um, not uh, just for decoration. So when people will see him walking with one shoe and they see that his foot is healthy, so they see the one that's in the shoe, the foot that's on the shoe is healthy, the one that's in the shoe must have an injury. And he actually is not carrying the second shoe, the second sandal. And that's why there's no suspicion on him to wear one Shabbos. That he should put the shoe on the one that doesn't have an injury. Like a normal person would wear Sometimes somebody has a sprained ankle or something. So they use a crutch, but they can't actually put a shoe on the injured foot. He held that shoes were put on for comfort, um, that the person doesn't want to walk 
on the floor. And the fact that he has a forced him, uh, forced him to wear a, uh, uh, stop him from wearing a shoe for comfort on that uh, foot with the injury. And the one that has an injury, so it's going to be clear that uh, it can't be, he can't put anything on it, and people won't suspect that he's carrying the other shoe. The Afra, what's the expression when the other shoe drops? That shoes are worn for, to protect an injury, from injury. As you see the following interesting story, to please give me my uh, please give me my sandal my shoe, as I guess he was uh, right? So uh, it makes sense. Wasn't like a disrespect for Kat. Pirkei Avos, we learned that it's a big zuppos, big merit. So he gave him the right one. Now comes trouble. From away, Sisu Maka, you have created a wound on me. You have made you with a wounded. Uh, you have created a wound. So meaning to say that you're giving me the right one right sandal to put on my right foot and you obviously held it, uh rev huna you put the you put the sandal on the one with the maca now the only proof that it is correct is because if he was giving him both sandals what would he have given him he would have given him the left one first as we know, and as and we know, from this tomorrow we'll discuss it, that the uh, correct way to put on one's shoes is to put one's left one first and then one's right. Now that he has his force on his right one first, he's not going to go and put um, uh, put on his left. So he's going to walk around with just one sand on his right, not to violate the uh, laws of Chachamim, as we'll see in our Gemara, about the order of putting on shoes. So the fact that he said it goes on the, caused me to have a maca, and he's holding the right sandal now, shows us that uh, he's going to put it on the foot that has the maca. Says the Gemara, that's not really conclusively true. Perhaps he held like Rav, that he's going to only wear one sandal, it goes on the foot without the injury. The the Kama, and this is what he was telling his the person who was helping him. You're making my left foot like it has a maka, meaning to say that I'm gonna wear this right foot because I go like Shiabara who says you put a something to walk around on a, with a shoe on the healthy foot, as people will know that the reason why you have no shoe on the other foot, not because you're carrying it, but because the other foot has a maca. So you don't really have a proof as to whether you have like a Buddha or Rev. Uh, this all, this story is all in accordance 
with what Rabbi Eichanan taught us, that your shoes and your tefillin have a similarity. The tefillin go on your left hand first, your shoe goes on your left hand first. And that is the source, of, according to this Gemara, that is the source why uh, why your tefillin should go, um, and why your shoes should go on your left first. Mesve is tomorrow, will ask a contradiction. We learned in the Brisa first you put on your right, and first you put on your right foot, and then you put on your left foot. Now, so Rabbi Yosef says, I'm not coming to resolve this. Rabbi Yechanan obviously had his reasoning, and the Brisa is another Tana that has their reasoning. So you have two sources. Therefore, whichever way you're going to act is not going, um, is not going to be a problem according to Halacha. Perhaps Rabbi Yechanan never heard that Brisa as we commonly find in the and Brysis were not as well, uh, trans- the transmission on Brysis, the, the story on Brysis was not as universal as a Mishnah. And therefore it's possible that Rabbi Yechon never heard that there was a, 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 a Brysa that, that contrary to him. But if he would know that this is what they were teaching in the Brysa, he would have uh, taken back his words and therefore, you don't, you can't really rely on your Yechna. Or you perhaps it was not so. Even if you heard it, that uh, even if you he heard it, uh, he held that the halacha is not like that Mishnah. So, um, so, so it's not necessarily that Yechna is coming to argue, but perhaps that Brisa or to say that the halacha. Was he, it was like that? Brisa was not correct. Meaning to say, you don't necessarily have two opinions here to rely on, because we're not sure whether saying this even with the awareness of the Brisa. Says the Gemara, Amr Nachman by Yitzchak, somebody who's fearful of heaven, the being that we don't really know whether Yechon was aware of the Brisa, and, and, and that's why he argued, he held that Allah was not like the Brisa, in which case you can't actually do like the wanted you to do to be able to choose to do whichever way you want. And we don't know whether he wasn't aware at all of the Brisa, and had he been aware of the Brisa like we are, he would have deferred from his learning it out of filling to the Brisa. So therefore you have a way of fulfilling both the Brisa and the Yechanan without it being a contradiction. How should you do that? As we'll see, they asked, how do you do that? Put your, uh, put your right one on first. You put the right shoe without tying it. Then you put the left one. The cutter and you tie it. And then you go 
tie the right one. Or, uh, uh, or you wear slip-ons. Um, uh, but if you're not wearing slip-ons, if you're wearing something with laces, so then you can be mekayim the fact that the right comes before the left. And the fact that when it comes to tying, we see filling, you put your, on your left. So too, you'll be able to tie on your, uh, uh, on your left. Amar, um, Amar Rav Ashi, and that's the Tosis really explains. When it comes to tying things, your left it, it follow, you follow the tilling. Uh, Amar Rav Ashi, Chazim, What did you just say? Tosis says that when it comes to tying things, then we follow tefillin. Just like tefillin is tied on your left hand, so uh, therefore your left shoe to tie becomes more chashev than tying the right shoe. Tan Rabbanan, halfway down, Samach Aleph, Amal Aleph, 61a, halfway down. Oh, so Kahana was not Makbe. We look in a brisa as follows, um, and this is really the, the source of it from the Sechus Derech Eretz. I don't think part of the Fiyemi cycle or any cycle. It's one of the Kitanos. When you put on your shoe, you put on the right foot first and then the left foot. And when you take them off, you take off the left sh- shoe first. You wash a part of your body. First you wash the right side and then the left side. And when you shoot different ornaments on, you smear from the right side and then uh, to the left. Your entire body is smearing with these oils and ointments. So then, your head comes first. As your head is the king over all the other organs. And so you should wash your hair in the shower first. That's correct. That is the halacha, actually. The halacha, the halachas of showering, and one of the halachas, two of the halachas we just mentioned over here. One of them is that you should start with your head, and the other one is that you do your right before your left. And if you're putting hand cream on your hands, you could put it on your right hand first, and then right. That's a, you know, I never, I never put that practically speaking, but it would seem from here that you would put it on your right hand. I assume if you're a righty, you're naturally inclined to do so. For a lefty, this Gemara, I don't know if this Gemara is for lefties. This is a right-wing Gemara. Okay. The Ikatas, the Leibet says the Gemara to that. Samach Aleph, Aleph, the Leibet So the Mishnah said you're not allowed to carry your tefillin, you're not allowed to go out into Rosh Hashanah on Shabbos. Just to quote the full language of the Mishnah, who said the Leibet Tefillin, and then the Gemara discussed a Kamiya. And then the Gemara at the end of the, the Mishnah, at the end of the Mishnah said, and Yatza ain't a And if you do, you're not have a Chatas. So Safra taught us on our Mishnah. 
not only are we talking it's prohibited to wear your tefillin on one who holds no obligation to wear tefillin on Shabbos, but even according to the Mandiyamers, the Gemara and Erevin and Machas records the dispute whether one does wear tefillin on Shabbos or not, even according to the Mandiyamer who holds that, uh, that, that, that you do wear tefillin on Shabbos, but that's not talking about in a public domain. Uh, or don't even go out into Hamilus, maybe you'll carry them in a public domain. Some tell us that those words on the safe of the Mishnah. This that we said in Yatza and that the end of the we said that it's only an iskabra bonum, there's no actual fee of carbon, there's no sacrifice required if one did so. That even if the one who always prohibited or not required to wear filling on Shabbos, you still not be chayav a chatos if you wore them into a public domain on Shabbos. Since they're strapped onto your body and wearing them in the rabbin, correct, there's no chiv, there's no obligation, perhaps it's not even permitted, but you would still be considered to be wearing them and considered. Carrying. Um, the, uh, the truth is, okay, uh, the clothing is never considered carrying. Now, we today, a couple of months ago, relied on our modern medicine. Um, but with coronavirus, we see that you never know when people will be searching for a cure and all types of ancient cures will come back to life. Who knows? And uh, in the times of the Gemara, at least, a kamiya, an amulet, could have been worn by a person. And they were both experts in amulets. And there were experts in, uh, and there were people, yeah, there were experts in Rufua, and those words merged. However, what's relevant to us is whether one can wear one on Shabbos. So people would sometimes buy the knockoff drugs or knockoff amulets where it hadn't been come from the appropriate source. Maybe they got it from China, who knows? But uh, the question is, we said you're not allowed to carry on Shabbos, not allowed to wear one on Shabbos. It's not from a mumcha, as an amulet is clearly being worn to heal the person. It has to be that it works, that it's proven, that it's proven to work. Says the Gemara, don't tell me that the only acceptable case that you can wear it is that both the person who created the amulet and the amulet itself that he created is not an experimental amulet, and rather they both have a proven track record of healing people. But you have one of the two that 
it is still enough to permit you to wear it on Shabbos. So let's say a person comes to the amulet maker and they say they have an illness uh, that they need healing for. And the amulet maker says, I've never written, I've written hundreds of amulets. I've never treated this type of illness before as an amulet. I'm going to come up with a special one, either containing a special mixture or containing a special prayer. Uh, I will come up with one that uh, should work for you, but I've never proven it before. Even so, it's, it's enough to be, it's, consider that to be a method of healing in which we allow a person to wear it on Shabbos. No, it's not yet that that the Mishnah specifically describes uh, that's qualified as something who's not an expert tells you that once they're an expert, if it's not a Kamiya proven to work, it would be a, a, a acceptable. Shemamina says the Gemara, Shemamina, uh, that it's uh, you, even if the has not yet been proven. So it's interesting that we come across a Gemara dealing with experimental medicine on Shabbos, that it seems like there's a, if there's a problem, carrying, etc. Uh, if it comes from a qualified drug maker, even experimental medication doesn't have proven results yet, would be acceptable. Hanra Banan, six lines from the end of the Gemara of Samach Alpha Medalif. Ezu Kemia Mumcha, what is considered an established medication? What is considered a, a, an established Kemia? Mumcha Kalsha Ripa Vishayu Vishalish. Anything which has already proven itself three times. So if somebody was sick, they had an amulet made up for them. They got better. A while later, they take off the kamiya. Then they get sick again. They put back on the kamiya and they, uh, three times. That's already considered like a proven, uh, that's enough clinical testing for this amulet to be worn on Shabbos, even if it doesn't come from a mumcha. Echid kamiya shal the echid kamiya shal Whether the Kamiya is one which you talk about as uh, written special wording or psukim to heal the person, or whether it's Kamiya uh, Shalikaran, it's coming from ground up uh, roots or different uh, vegetables. Um, it almost, I, I, I don't know enough about the subject, but you think about, you know, for a lot of people, it's very hard coming from our prestigious medical world to think that something hanging around your neck with uh, writing in it could actually heal a, a real disease. But at the same time, uh, we don't really understand their chemias and you know, what their healing powers were. But it could also be that it was coming to heal a uh, psychiatric condition, in which case the person, the form of therapy was that uh, you told the person that amulet has healing powers and you wrote something in it that would make them feel positive or feel better and uh, it had some effect even for somebody who was suffering mentally so we don't know that you know that's also a fua. so that could be perhaps the content of a written amulet effective medication whether the chayla is actually his life is in danger or he's just in some pain 
And not just uh, where he, somebody's already sick, uh, but even if they uh, they have a but even if Rashi explains the last line of Rashi, uh, possibly epilepsy, um, they have seizures. The, the, uh, the, the thing is that the previous Rashi explains that uh, we're worried that they're going to collapse off of seizures, fainting. So somebody who has that hereditary condition can also wear the amulet, even if they have very shown symptoms as well. So you might say that that's uh, not necessary. No, it's, uh, it is considered permissible. And one may tie and untie the amulet from one's neck, even in a public domain. As long as he does not uh, tie it, as long as he does not tie it. So that's a little bit of a strange. Uh, uh, that, that's a little bit of a straight. Uh, uh, as long as he doesn't tie it, the Gemara continues. You can tie it and untie it, but you can't tie a bracelet or a ring in Marasayan, because that already has an appearance of Marasayan, as since you've already made. Uh, it looks like you're taking off jewelry in a public domain, and uh, that's uh, that's already amulet for fundamental purposes in a public domain. We never permitted. Says the Gemara, Bahatanya, going back to understanding this, the heter of wearing a kamia on Shabbos, Samach Alam Bey, sixty-one B. Second line down. You told me a minute ago that one person three times is considered a proven amulet. We learned in a Baisa that it has to heal three people in order for it to be considered an expert, three separate individuals. Says the Gemara. Depends what you're trying to prove. You're trying to prove if it worked on one person three times. So that proves that the, this amulet is an expert is is a professional amulet. If you're trying to prove that the creator of it, then he has to heal. He needs a higher standard. He has to heal three separate people. Amr of Papa Pshitli class Kamila class Gavri. Obviously says of Papa. The best track record that we're looking for is uh, somebody who's written amulets, three amulets for three different people. So he has a case history of nine in total, and they were all successful. In such a case, there's no question that on Shabbos you can wear that amulet. If the creator of it had created nine amulets, three different people, three amulets, and it worked. Uh, that's obvious. Plus, uh, if it was three, that, 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 that's, uh, that's, that's nine. That's, that's good. That's already, uh, 
everybody agrees that that's five. It's nine times. It's machi gavra kamia plasa. If I uh, if I did um, an, one amulet for for one person, sorry, this is machi gavra. This machi kamia kamia leklasa gavri chad chad zimna gavra is machi is machi. If I did, if you wrote three amulets for three, and so not not it's not nine, but it uh, it's three one, three people. Each one you wrote one for. So then we know you have the power to heal, as the the author, the creator is definitely proven a mumcha, but you don't know for sure that this amulet. Is a uh, proven one since it only works effectively on one person. If he did uh, one amulet, the same one for three different people, and all three got healed, so you know for sure that this Camille works, but you don't know for sure that the creator is a proven expert in the field. So uh, it seems like there was a standard recipe that we could follow. But it wouldn't prove your expertise you created for three different people. And you have to be a diagnostician. You have to know which amulets for which people. Just to go over that tomorrow again, Amr of Papa. If you did three Kamiyas for three different people, nine altogether, you're a proven expert and your these Kamiyas are reliable. If you pre- did the creator created if you did three separate people one Kamiya each and they work the creator is proven to be an expert but not the amulet if he did one Kamiya different people he's an expert Smachi Gavra, Gavra Lai is Smachi. Mia is considered proven, but he is not yet proven in that case. Bayer of Papa. If Papa asked us the following question. If I wrote three amulets for one person, what's the status? Kamiya Vada Lai Smachi. The the Kamiya, the amulet we said already is not that doesn't prove anything um, because each one was only used once. But at the end of the day, I'm an expert physician because I, three times the guy got sick and I healed him three times. This one patient give me a chazaka. So, uh, says the Gemara, what's the Shiloh? Do we say that to prove myself, I healed this person uh, three times so I could heal anybody now? I have a Or maybe this sick person, uh, the amulet was uh, effective on him, but each person has a different mazel, and therefore it won't be effective on other people. Take it. And we don't know the answer to that.
So they took the Gemara, thought the Gemara took nails in the shoes seriously. Clearly the Gemara treated this as a uh, proper refuah. And in order for somebody to be licensed to practice, they need to have a chazaka of nine successful cases, three cases on three different people. And uh, in order to establish a chazaka. Is, is it possible that the reason that the Gemara is actually being so difficult with this is, is not in fact that it, it was taken as a serious refuah, but the opposite, that the level of the standard of proof here, you know, with a normal refuah, you don't have to have any kinds of proofs that uh, it uh, is effective. But here we're having this high bar that any particular amulet has to prove its effectiveness before being used. It's like the FDA of uh, amulets. So first, I love your thinking. I love the thinking that you want to say, the fact that we're just not saying, what do you want? It's you want to use it, you don't want to use it. This guy needs it. He says it's a refuel for him and it's effective. So let him wear it on Shabbos. What's your, what's your hangout? Exactly. The Gemara, is, the Gemara, on the contrary, is dealing with skepticism. I love that. I, I love your thinking. Um, I love your thinking. The, the end of the day, we fat very rarely when we have a esoteric prohibition on Shabbos, we say that it's actually relevant. A lot of things, a lot of things are only midrabanan. And midrabanan, with you have a chayla, or even somebody's in discomfort, you already have a lot of more leeway to for heterim. But here you found me an actual case of carrying in Rosh Found me a case where being nonchalant about amulets could actually lead you to a real Daraisa. So the Gemara got very excited. I, that's what I think. Um, you know, most of Rafua is a Jabbanan. Rafua is only because we learned that they would grind. Uh, it's Xera because they grind up the dyes uh, in the, in the, like when grinds up medications in the base of Mikdash. Very only that act of making a medicine is a Daraisa, because a lot of, most refuas are not Daraisa. Here we found, like uh, we caught, we found the real case that it could be a Daraisa. That's what I want to say. But I hear what you're saying. That the fact that the Gemara is trying to tell you, don't be so quick to allow this amulet because it's almost nonsense unless it's the one real read where the guy actually has three patients, three real case studies with three different amulets, you know, uh, that, that he can bring nine patients to the FDA and say these are all healed by my uh, amulets. I don't know. I, I'm, I don't know enough about the the uh, ancient uh, medicine. There is a there is a book written both in German and English. I think it's called the Yiddish the Medicina or Talmudish the Medicina, which is uh, written in German by a great 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 grandfather of mine, Dr. Preuss, and they discuss all the things that are found in the Gemara with context. I think it's Yiddish of the Medicina was the original German name, the original. Uh, says the Gemara, but I hear, I, I like your thinking. Uh, 61b, smack up the two dots, continuing on with the discussion of these amulets, 
יש להם משום קדושה, וידום אין בהם משום קדושה. Do they have a status of קדושה or not? My hochasot, for what practical purpose? If you tell me, because you want to know if on Shabbos you want to carry them in order to save them from a fire like you learned many heterim by, uh, by Sifra to save them from a Galeka fire that's coming up in about two months. We learned that uh, if parchment is on it or an amulet that has and has a lot of running, a lot of uh, topics from the Torah, you don't save them on Shabbos, they burn. So asking me that it should have a status of Kedusha for carrying the That's a Mishnah, which you wouldn't ask me about. You're telling me that you have to bury it like shame. We know that halacha, that if you break down sukkim on the bed, on the legs of the bed, or the handle of a vessel, uh, the, uh, the handle of a vessel. You would be ex- in the exam- You have to even take apart the vessel and bury what has this writing on it. So for sure, it needs Geniza. The question that you must be asking is to walk into a bathroom with this amulet. Considered something holy, and there, therefore, you cannot walk into a bathroom with them. I don't know or even though it has psukim on it, but it's there as before, and therefore it's permissible. Pashama, brought a proof. Our Mishnah says that you're not allowed to walk into a Shakurahunda with an unproven amulet. But if the amulet come, is proven to work, or it comes from somebody who's created previously successful amulets, Nothing you may walk into this around into a public domain on Shabbos. The Amrit Kameen, Yeshua Mishum Kedusha, and if you found it, they have Kedusha. Zimu the Mishnah Chlebesa Kisei, perhaps a person will need the bathroom. And you'll take off the amulet to be able to walk into the bathroom. And then when you continue walking, you'll carry the amulet in a Shusharam, Daladam. And there's no way the Mishnah would have allowed that. Why wasn't the mission afraid of that concern? So it must be a proof that you can wear it into a bathroom. It's not a proof. You can say our, that our Mishnah allowed it. We're talking about a bathroom which is doesn't contain Hebrew writing. And you let, which doesn't contain Hebrew writing, rather contain, it contained ground up herbs, which also had a healing effect. Did we not learn the Brysa, the opposite? We learned that it could be either type of Kamiya amulet, whether it had writing or We're talking about a Chaylash Sakana. And that's why you're allowed to do it even in Dalamas, even in the bathroom. But Anya, didn't we learn that it's permissible to be worn on Shabbos in a public domain, even by a chad, not, uh, life is not in danger. It's just 
uh, sick minor fact. So it can't be that. As the Gemara, you're right. Rather, the reason why we're uh, so lenient when it comes to walking into a public domain on Shabbos, knowing that you may come to relieve oneself in a, and therefore will remove it from on them and carry and carry it, even if they're not in Sakhon. We're talking about a Isidoraisa, a biblical of carrying on Shabbos, still uh, we allow you um, we allow you to go out into a public domain. Says the Gemara, even the Masa, since it heals, it heals even if you're holding it in your hand. So therefore, even if you have to walk uh, through a public domain carrying it, you would still be performing that act which you originally intended to do, which was not which was to, to be healed from it, which we said is mutter. Whether it's around your neck or in your hand, it has the ability to heal. And therefore, we don't consider the violation of the laws of carrying on Shabbos as uh, since it's healing you at that time. So Chacham permitted you to carry it in your hand. I'm not sure if that means even... Yeah, Rashi says that even if you were to carry it in a... In a in a, in a Rosh Hashanah, you would uh, still be potter. Um, that's difficult because, first of all, as we'll see in a minute, we have a Brisa which disputes that. But you're telling me that it's a a chayla she'ein sakana, a chayla um, uh, who's not in danger. His life is not in danger. He's taking it more like just to relieve a headache, and you're still allowing him to carry in a Rosh Hashanah. The Raisa, that's a big chiddush. Says the Gemara, the top line of Samach Bezam and Aleph, Tanya of Aishayim, Abachla, Yachzen, We, in fact, explicitly in the Raisa, not like the Gemara's attempt to answer up, as we learned that you're not allowed to carry it in Rishus Rabbim. Allah, from Ayaskina, Bimachupa, are. The Gemara we're talking about where it was covered over in leather. When it's covered in leather, you put the amulet in the pouch. You don't actually see the right the let itself, and therefore you're allowed to, the person is allowed to relieve themselves, even though it's uh, even uh, uh, even when they're in the bathroom, they can wear it as long as the let is covered. And they're not worried; they're going to take it off and walk on Shabbos with it. Wow! What another fascinating gemara.